hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello, thanks for having me again. Welcome back. Today's topic, Conan the Barbarian, the adventure film about a former slave seeking vengeance by Crom. If you have not yet watched Conan the Barbarian and you want to, watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. I know it's early, but I wanted to get Bicrom in there somewhere. <laughs> first appearances. This is a character that first appeared... Well, it was Robert E. Howard, yeah. wasn't it? So it first appeared in pulp serials, or was it comic strips, or was it oh, really? straight it was novels? Pa- paperback novels. Okay, and 1930s, that's mm. when the character first appeared. Focusing on the adventures in a fictional world, dark magic... And savagery. Yep, he gave rise to the whole swords and sorcery genre. Conan the Destroyer. So there was a sequel in '84. To I keep the... reminding myself, this yep. movie was '82. Yep. Schwarzenegger and Mako reprised their roles. Mm-hmm. So Mako was the wizard, yeah, the and... old Asian wizard, yep. and he was the narrator as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and you don't realize that until later on. Originally, it was supposed to be Conan narrating it. But I think, you, you know, yeah. seen, not heard. Because <laughs> mm. Conan had a thing where he spoke very little. Yeah. So Arnie, beginning of his career, his acting career, was perfect for that. Because he didn't speak much and his accent probably wasn't that great. I think his accent would have been very distracting if he's yeah. doing the opening thick. narration. Yeah. A planned third entry into the trilogy was planned Conan the Conqueror. We got a preview of that at the end of Destroyer. It was planned for a release in 87. Never, Never happened. happened. Never mm-hmm. happened. There's a Conan the Adventurer live action series as well. I'm not quite sure where that fits. But we got a cartoon. Mm. Conan the Adventurer. It was an adaption of Conan. It debuted in 1992, ran for 65 episodes, concluded in November of 93. The series also spawned a small toy line by Hasbro. I had some of these toys. Really? You know, I've not said it yet, but I'm new to Conan. I had not watched this movie until preparing for this podcast. But I had seen the cartoon. I did have some of the toys. I find it mind-boggling that you've, you've basically gone about it in reverse. And it is an odd way of doing it. But my Conan has black hair. Cartoon, toys, yeah. black hair. Whereas my Conan was always the movies. And I think Conan in the movies does resemble what Howard intended him to look like yeah, in the book. Yeah, he's just a big brooding Sumerian. We've got another animated series as well, Conan and the Young Warriors. That lasted only 13 episodes. That Again, you had lots of magic, little kid sidekicks in this one. I remember it well. I did used to watch that. So yeah, I've been doing Conan all wrong <laughs> all these years. Yeah, you have. It's supposed to be a much more much more kind of mature sort of readers, R-rated kind of violence. You know, I rewatched the pilot episode of Conan the Adventurer, and mm. in that series, his family get turned to stone. Mm. And that's his whole drive for the series. He yeah, wants to free the movies, his family. Well, that's it. Live they action movie, really, yeah. Arnie, death, cartoon, turned to stone. Yeah, they can't really do violence in cartoons. In October 2012, Universal Pictures announced plans for... Schwarzenegger to return to the role of Conan for the film The Legend of Conan. 
The planned story was a direct sequel to the original film, bypassing Conan the Destroyer, and the 2011 film starring Jason Momoa. That's right. Which was absolutely awful. And I literally forgot until now, I have seen the Momoa movie. I didn't care for it. I watched it and went, this is not my Conan. I watched it at the movies. Set again. I really have done Conan wrong. (laughs) I saw it on DVD and I just cringed my way through it. Yeah, I watched it and for what it was, I thought it was fine. But I guess it isn't the original film that we're here to talk about today. And I think even now, Arnie's still talking about Another Conan film. Is it King yeah. Conan? He's, yeah, it's. I think King Conan is the working title. Um, and it's kind of on again, off again. He does want to do it. Um, he's very adamant about it. And um, he can be seen... There's a video online of him flipping through the new um, iteration of Marvel Comics Conan, which we will get to later in the show. And he's just basically saying in the short video that he loves it and he can't wait to reprise the role again. Yeah. I mean, Arnie does like going back to the well. I mean, how many Terminator films? Oh yeah, yeah. Have we got? I mean, it's it's what he hangs his hat on. It's his calling card. So the movie then, a young boy Conan becomes a slave after his parents are killed and tribe destroyed by a savage warlord and sorcerer, Tulsa Doom, played Play. brilliantly by. You want to say it? The hypnot the hypnotic James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, Darth Vader himself. Yes. Conan, when he grows up, he becomes a fearless, invincible fighter. Set free, he plots revenge against James Earl Jones. Tulsa, Tulsa Doom. Doom. <laughs> it's a fun name to say. Box office. $130 million on a budget of 16 It did pretty good. It did very good. And this is for 82 as well. Did you watch the documentary that accompanied the, the DVD? I didn't, but what's on there? They basically talk about that. They, they can't believe the fact that it did so well in the box office and it just conquered. It did really well. It's actually um, narrated, narrated by Roy Thomas, the, one of the writer, Marvel writers. Oh, really? Yeah, Roy Thomas goes into a lot of detail about it. It was the start of something as well, like Beastmaster and all these movies came after Conan, didn't they? Yeah, like I said, it, it establishes the sword and sorcery sect, the, the whole sword and sorcery movement really well. And, um, you know, I, don't, I think if it wasn't for Conan, you wouldn't have your... Um, Probably your Lord of the Rings and um, all, and like your Game of Thrones and all the stuff like that that's Dungeons and Dragonsy these days because Conan really ushered in that kind of storytelling. The marketing started early on this. Like we did get it in eighty two, but it was I think Arnie started prep like late seventies. You know, working on his physique, growing his hair. That like he's actually Arnie's hair. He's not wearing a wig. That, and I never knew that. That's fascinating. The attention to detail that a young Arnie was <laughs> was putting into the character. Here's an interesting thing. But speaking of that. He actually had the drop weight to play the character. He was bigger than that because he was a bodybuilder, obviously. He was so massive, they actually made him drop about, I think it was 12, 12 pounds, 12 kilos or something like that, to um, and slim down in inverted commas to be Conan because he was just friggin' massive. This movie has been a gap in my Arnie knowledge. By far, he is the biggest in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like when you see him in Terminator and all the other movies, he's not as big as he is in this first Conan no, movie. He's physically imposing and impressive. When they first started teasing this movie, they put up some posters and they used artwork from Frank Franzetta. You know, Franzetta, he did yeah. he did all the like covers. I'm not sure if he did was it the cover of the comics? You mentioned that Marvel had the license back uh, then. Yep, that was um was it Fantastic not Fantastic Tales. Could be that. Uh Weird Tales. It was something along those lines. It was a 
It's one of the earlier names of the comics. I actually have it collected one of the, Omnibus. One of the comics was Conan the Adventurer, which came out in 66. And that first issue, they did repurpose that artwork for the movie poster. It's mm. like a teaser poster. Yep. Eventually, you got another art piece where Conan was drawn to resemble Arnie. Yep. But those earlier posters, it was like Conan as you know him from, from, the, from the original artwork. Yep. It was uh, Frank Rosetta and Barry Windsor-Smith, or Barry Smith as he was known back then, and John Buscema, or Buscema, who were the three dudes who were drawing him. So when doing this podcast, we also like to take a moment and talk about the costumes and how well the costumes have adapted. Well, Conan wears very little, but from what I can see, looks like Conan. Yeah. There are actually, <laughs> actually some sequences where if, where the weather, if the weather's colder and they're travelling around on horseback in winter and stuff, he'll actually wear some kind of leggings, like some kind of like... Long pants um, underneath his kind of like, um, what do you call it, like a loincloth. I yeah. did notice that. Yeah, when it was cold, it'd cover up. Yeah, and he'll wear like a big bearskin cape or something like that. You know, you've got that scene with a big snake. Yep. And then Conan's fighting the snake and mm. off camera or like quite a bit away, there's somebody firing arrows. It's, mm. he's, it's his offsider. Yep. It's Mako, isn't it? Yep. He's firing the arrows. Well, it turns out that the best shot with a bow and arrow was director John Milius. Mm. And he was the one firing the arrows. That's actually mentioned in the Very thing. close to Arnie's head. Mm. You've got to have trust in your director. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that doesn't happen today. It's in 82, in that must have been okay. But today, you, health and safety a lot, yeah. are not going to let you do that. You get your stunt double doing that. What do you think to the to the music? I, the music was incredible. Um, it stays with me to this day because it's so hypnotic. Um, it just stays in your mind and in your head when you hear it. And um, it's just so entrancing and enticing and powerful. And in both the films, both Destroyer and the, and the original one before it, which we're talking about, the music plays a huge part. Um, the compositions are just incredible. They, they really do. It's almost, they do, it's, well, it's almost like they have you in a trance. You're almost hypnotized by it. Is it the same composer on Discovery? I know with Barbarian, it was Basil uh, Polderas. Yeah. He comes back for this. I believe so. I think so. Yeah, Yeah. I did read somewhere that originally, for the music, they were leaning more towards Flash Gordon of having like a rock pop soundtrack. Uh, That wouldn't have worked. It would have made it into a different movie. It would have been terrible. I mean, you really have to establish that this is ancient times. And when when you you hear the soundtrack and it incorporates a lot of French horn and a lot of... um, Orchestra, beautiful lush orchestration, a lot of violin, um, stuff like that, just brass instruments. Like, that's kind of really more the theme they're going for, and it shows. It just, yeah, it really adds to the world building, doesn't it? I mean, from memory, like, music plays almost throughout. Like, you're always Absolutely. hearing something, and it just, it's like when you have a Batman movie and Gotham City feels like one of the characters. Yeah. The music really does add to Conan. Absolutely, and that's what that's exactly what it does with Conan. So do you have any standout things that you've always liked about this movie? One thing uh, on a very personal level is that I always think of my dad when I watch it um, because we, we used to watch it together. Like when I was a little kid, dad and I would uh, stay up late and we'd watch it and it was a great way for us to bond. And I feel like... That is kind of like a metaphor in a way for, for how Conan and his father like bonded and how you know they were talking about swords and stuff and how you um, you know you, you sort of have to put your trust in the sword and, and that's kind of going to be like the guiding light and, and like the go-between and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, but on a more de- sort, of, sort of seriously, a deeper level, like it's I, my, some of my fondest memories were watching Conan movies with dad when I was a kid and I'll never forget 
us just watching it and just kind of laughing at it in, in places and making comments at it and just, you know, kind of joking about the violence of it and stuff. And, um, you know, like, yeah, get him, you know, yeah, cut off his head type sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Father's on bonding, off with yeah, his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a really fun memory for me. Um, it always makes me think of Dad when I watch the Conan movies. Memories of how you first experienced something, like, you know, mm. whether it's movies or anything else, it really can stay with you. Like, oh, yeah. Sticking with movies... There's three that I that used to be on heavy rotation on TV that I would watch at a weekend with my dad. Mm -hmm. Tremors, Big Trouble in Little China, oh, nice. and The Burbs. Nice, and yes. To this day, that they are three of my favourite films, but it's not... I mean, one, I do generally like enjoy those movies, but it's what you're talking about. Yeah. It's those memories. It's like how you There's experience the association. Them. Absolutely. And they were great movies, by the way. Yeah, again, I don't know if I'm biased to that. It's because, you no, know, no, no. of how I um, used to enjoy them we, as a kid. I dug Big Trouble in Little China when I was a kid. Oh, man, they are my parents. And such... Good movies. Yeah. Um, yep. With crazy special effects in the Big Trouble movie. Oh, but this yeah. movie, special effects, like a lot of it is, you know, it's swords and sandals practical. and it's combat. And yeah, it's practical. Like when you've got like the giant snake, mm. like watching it today, like how, how do you think those effects hold up? Um, well, I can kind of laugh at it because there's one scene, I don't know if you noticed it, well later on into the movie when they infiltrate the, um, the, the Brotherhood of the Snake Order that cult is. They infiltrate their lair, and as they as they're making their getaway, um, they and they, they they get found out, and they're trying to battle off the um, all the masses. There's one scene where like the um, Val Valeria, uh, Conan's female uh, a a a companion accomplice, I'm trying to say, she appears to strike one of the one of the um, one of the army, but she misses him just narrowly, and, and the camera picks it up. You, you see that he kind of reels backward from the force of her kick. But the kick doesn't actually connect, and he flies backwards, and it just—you had to laugh at it. But I mean, look, for the most part, it holds up, and the action's believable, and it's—it looks awesome. Just that one little moment where I picked up all these years later, if I'm watching it again, I was like, oh wow, that that didn't connect. That's hilarious. Well, to give credit though to Sandal Bergman, who played Valeria, mm -hmm. both her and Arnie—they're mm -hmm. doing a lot of their own stunts. They are. So I, you can you got to. I'd much rather her try and miss then mm. from the back clearly see that it was somebody else just wearing a wig yeah absolutely. but you're right though i mean that that is a moment uh, visually they do this thing where doom his face transforms from james Earl jones into a snake yep. and it just i don't know i mean and then it kind of that scene doesn't really go anywhere he's kind of like it's just doing it to it's show just, you that yeah, he can that he can do it yeah and it, like you're right like they cut back to it three or four times and intersperse it with what else is going on in, in on the in the big kind of huge orgy that's happening unfolding, and you're right. You just go, where's this thing going? Like I get it. He can turn into a snake. We don't need to see three or four return shots to that. And his arms kind of going back into his coat and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> yeah, and then he's yeah, he's like you just like, oh, I could cosplay as that. I could just pull my arms up into my jacket. <laughs> yeah, watch me. I'm a snake. <laughs> yeah, it's for a the bit time that you know, the, yeah, for the. They're doing it, aren't they? You know, I say it about the CW show, is like whether it's Arrow, Flash, like I'd rather them, you know, strike and miss than just not try at all. Like but I think the it, effects don't always work, yeah. and it's the same here. But, that's, but that, that yeah. speaks more to the stuntman, not not necessarily the actress playing Valeria, but the stuntman who's supposed to make it look like convincing. Yeah, yeah. but 82. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they are quite limited on, on what they can do. Yeah. But for the most part, and I think, because I'm watching this as a dated movie, mm. because it's not like it's set in the modern day. I mean, it's set in a fantastical world. So I can go there and, 
and just give them a lot of passes. Yeah. But the world that it's setting as well, like this is not a historical piece because no. what they're doing is they're setting it in a world. It's called then Borea. Yeah, and they're yeah. just cherry picking from different cultures Her- and eras. And it's basically meant to be like a, almost like a, a side companion to Earth's own history. Uh, uh, and history as we know it in the you know in the real world, um, and they've just kind of taken like you say, sort of just smatterings of different cultures and stuff, and try cherry picked like you say, and, and tried to make it like a, a representation of of ancient times. You know, I, I read this that because Arnie was new to this, and he actually went to the director mm-hmm. and said, "I'm not yet an actor." Oh, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not yet an actor. Don't treat me like an actor. Treat me like a dog. And point and tell me what you want me to do. And the director's then getting what he wants from Arnie. He's like, you know, just point me in the direction and I'll go. Makes a lot of sense. James Earl Jones. Like veteran. Veteran. Like, you know, he's like top of his game. Yeah. And he's seeing what's happening with Arnie. And he goes to the director, do that with me. Crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. I want to be method. So it's like, ah, oh, to be a fly on the wall, <laughs> yeah. to, be, to watch them making Wouldn't this that movie. Be great? There's actually a moment there that um, that wasn't rehearsed or scripted or planned or whatever. It's the scene where um, Arnie uh, is fleeing from those dogs after being esca- after escaping from the uh, the slave colony, and he seeks refuge in a cave. Whereupon he finds his sword, and um, as the dogs attack him, that actually does really happen. Like, they, there wasn't any takes or anything like that. There's no stuntman. That's actually Arnie, and he really does get um, torn into and ripped into by those dogs. And um, he had to get... He did that whole scene without medical attention, but after they, you know, yelled cut on, on, the, on the scene, they actually had to, you know, get some medical assistance for him. Yeah, that actually happened on, uh, like, like, as you see it. On yeah, so, so when you see Conan Leggett, that's Arnie. He's really doing it. He's really doing it. He's like... <laughs> He's like, holy crap, these dogs are coming after me. I've got to run. It's not just him acting. I mean, there's method and then there's method. Yeah. yeah. Set them on me. That's going to get the best yeah, performance. Basically. I'm the dog, just like them. But now I've got to run. Well, some of the other scenes I like um, was that weird scene where he basically has, has like a sexual encounter with this witch who turns into a snake. And that was really confusing to me as a kid because I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I didn't understand it. Then all, all these years later, you go, oh, okay. They're getting on, getting it on, but like just the fact that she's turning into this weird kind of snake, and then you know he he rolls off her and kicks her into the fire, and then she goes flying out of the joint, and it, it spooks him a bit, and I think it speaks to his superstition, his deep superstition of magic. He does not like magic uh, or sorcery at all. He's very much heavily against it. Um, he has he, he has a god that he worships called Crom, and um, he that's about the only thing he believes in. But even even Crom, he he sort of has like a you know to hell with you type attitude you know he's like Krom grants me the strength to beat my enemies and if you're not there if you're not listening to me <laughs> then the hell with you like he just doesn't give a shit about that was his... good man that was, that was a good Conan doesn't care about his god but he, it was just great which is funny but the fact that he does believe in a deity but doesn't believe in magic he's completely superstitious of it um, well I think he, he knows there's magic he just hates it like you yeah. say he has a dislike of it I feel like I'm going to backtrack on my knowledge of Conan mm-hmm. one more time mm-hmm. so as a kid Bring you back up to speed. Yep. Cartoons, toys, and the scene where he has sex with a witch and throws her in a fire. Yep. 
until rewatching this movie now or watching it for the first time, that was my knowledge of Conan. Well, when Somebody you... would say Conan to me, oh, he has sex with a witch. Sex with a witch, turns into a snake. So when it happened, I'm like, ah, that's that scene. But isn't that funny that that's how you like kind of like associate it? You're like, oh, yeah, Conan, sex with a witch. I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure as a teenager, yeah. I specifically sought out that scene. But, but I've, I've seen the scene with a witch. It spins you out. You watch it as a, as a, as a teenager or a young boy or whatever, and it's really, it's really a bit of a kind of like spins you out. Like you watch the scene and you go, what the hell is happening here? Arnie, or should I say, not Arnie, Conan punches a camel. Not okay. No. <laughs> the I, same I, I way he punches a camel, I'm like, oh, what a dick. My girlfriend watched it with me, Sarah, and she could not, she was so upset because she loves animals, as we, as do we all. We, we don't, on this show, we do not encourage any, oh, of course any violence against animals whatsoever. But just the fact that he appears to punch and strike a camel after it spits on him. Um, I hope that's not Arnie going method again. Yeah, <laughs> just I, I, hope up that's, I hope that's a mechanical camel. I'm hoping that's a mechanical camel, not a real one. I don't know what the story is behind that. Maybe we need. I don't think they got a mechanical she, camel. She watched <laughs> it, and she Sarah was so visibly upset by that that I had to kind of pause it and like just console her and say it's fake, it's not real. They have a disclaimer at the end of the movie: no harm to animals, it's all good. And then oh, good. I, I was thinking maybe we should go back and check, but that yeah, is on they, there. They do. I'm pretty sure they do have a disclaimer saying no animals. Or harm. And the little asterisks, including camels, including camels, even though it appears that he punches a camel. Yeah, so I mean, he does. But, then, camel. but then we unpaused it and we kept watching it, and she was all, all good. It was just it was a weird scene. Very yeah, that's funny. Um, what else do we have here? Let's see. Um. The crucifixion scene that happens, he that is pulled directly from the comics. That was drawn by, I think it was Barry Smith, Barry Windsor Smith. And a lot of that was pulled verbatim from the pages as you see it. He does, when he's pinned up on that the, the tree of work, it's James Earl Jones. Remember he has that line? Contemplate this on the tree of woe. And like, so then they crucify him on this big Boab looking tree. And he's hung up there for days and he's delirious and he's like barking mad and thinks he sees people coming over the horizon. And there's the vulture. Yeah, the vulture comes yeah. down and he and lands on his shoulder. It's a mechanical vulture for the film. Really? And that yeah. was mechanical? Yep, yep. In the oh, wow. Again, watch that documentary. He um he bites into this vulture and it was specially made so that like he wouldn't, you know, electrocute himself when he bit into it. But in the comics he does that too. Like he, to survive and keep his nutrition going, he bites onto this vulture and just savagely mauls it to keep some sustenance going while he's up on the pinned up on the tree and um for the purposes of that scene in the movie i believe that it was in fact an animatronic vulture that they put on him and there was a section he could bite into uh that wasn't going to electrocute him <laughs> well that's just good yeah yes good old-fashioned special effects back then bite down on this and hopefully you don't die <laughs> yeah yeah that was great um yeah the early i'm going i'm going back in time here but early in the movie one of the earliest scenes the attack on Conan's village, Samaria, where he's from, and they slaughter his um, his family and his um, his his, his um, countrymen or whatever. Um, they basically told to doom. That's his first appearance, and immediately, straight away, you get the sense of this guy's badass. And, and the young Conan has to watch, you know, as his mother is beheaded, um, and he then stares directly at Tulsa Doom, and he's just got this look on his face, like, "That's it. I've got it in for you." I've got your number. Rest of my life, I'm dedicated to tracking you down and kicking your butt. That was a big, pretty powerful scene. And um, it set the standard. Because um, then you see the, the speaking of standards, you do see the, the standard, the big flag that the, the snake kind of cult have with the two snakes facing each other. And that's ingrained in Conan, the rest of the movie. Yeah. So he recognises it later on in the movie. Yeah, like, this see, is yeah. the person I'm looking for. This is the person I'm looking for. And he follows it. And to, the, to that effect, to that effort, to that effect, um, that snake cult sort of speaks to, I think maybe it was even a comment on religion, organized religion and how cult-like it is. 
And how Conan, even though he believes in a deity, he doesn't really subscribe to any kind of actual religion. Like he's, it's almost, it's, it's almost like he's agnostic in a way. Um, and yet, um, when you see that cult, that cult and the way they indoctrinate their members and the way they sort of hypnotize them and you get these virgins who are willing to like take a plunge off a cliff and be devoured by a giant serpent god or whatever. It's, I think it's a metaphor for organized religions and how they can be cult-like and how people do get brainwashed by them. Maybe Robert Howard was trying to say something along those lines with that. And this is going back to source material from the 1930s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there are def definitely some talking points. There are definitely some things that, that, that stuck out at me in the film. So when I was talking about Destroyer early, it sounds like they did set up that third film that we never got. But mm -hmm. they're also setting up something at the end of this movie, aren't they? So when you get to the end, you've got Conan with a beard. Yep. Looking very different to how he looked for the very majority king, Very of movie. kingly. Because that's the whole idea is that he becomes king one day and they want to set that up. They want to tell you how he becomes king. He's on the throne. He's looking very contemplative. Like you say, he's got the beard. He's got the crown on the loft on his head. And... Um, they definitely wanted to get around to telling that tale because we need to, as fans of Conan and people who watch the movies and like him, we need to know how he becomes king. Like what, that's later on in his life. But how does he get to that stage? How does that happen? So I think if I was going to choose, I'd rather Arnie spend more time on Conan than Terminator, to be honest. I mean, oh, yeah. I know he's going to continue going back to Terminator. We've got mm. Dark Fate coming that's out. Coming Hopefully out. that's good being a sequel to Terminator 2. And James Cameron's back behind the director's chair. He's not directing, but he's like producing, consulting. It's yeah. uh, what's the uh, is it? Ah, oh, blanking on the name. The guy that directed the first Deadpool movie, he's directing the new Terminator. Oh, um, I, I know the dude's name, Tim Miller. Yes, well mm. done. Yes, yeah, so Tim Miller is directing, but this is the first Terminator movie that Cameron has been involved with mm. since Judgment Day. Yeah, but it would be good if Conan. Getting him mixed up with his just real life. Conan, if Arnie comes back and does Conan just one more time, yeah, he just he he's will. still in shape, just comes back and finishes the story. Because from what I've mm. heard, so rewatching, or I keep saying rewatching, I'm used to rewatching things for this mm. podcast, watching Conan and what I've heard about Destroyer, apparently they did make it a bit more campy and it's not as gritty and violent as this first movie is and that did lose the audience a little yeah, bit yeah you should actually go back and watch destroyer and get some context and see well, again i've it. never seen destroyer but you know i've still got your blu-ray so maybe yeah, I'll, yeah, so watch it. I'll check um, it out i thought destroyer was a worthy sequel uh but looking back on it it does not tie into the events of the first film it's it's, it's it very much has a standalone adventure feel about it and it's interesting that they went with that and didn't make any of those ties the only tie you can really make to the original Conan film is the major spoiler Valeria dies so is um, it the same actress coming back uh, briefly in a cameo she there's a scene where Conan is kind of like meditating uh, sort of in like a trance um, kneeling on the ground with his sword in front of him he has a, a, another male accomplice with him who's like a jewel thief and um, he's busy just in the background doing whatever Conan's meditating and before he's before the enemy comes and he's set upon uh, there's a moment where He's really, really, really thinking. He's, he's really fixed concentration on his face. Then, when the enemy like sets, you know, sets upon him, they're, they're led by a female sorceress as such who strikes a bargain with Conan. You know, do this for me, and I will give you Valeria back. And she, what she does is that she says, "Cast your eye upon that stone you were just looking at, and you were just meditating at." So he does, and she brings up the illusion of, of his beloved Valeria. You know, the, the, her body and um, with the flames and stuff like like the funeral pyre, uh, the Viking funeral pyre from the first movie. And um, so he, that's what he wants more than anything is to be reunited with her. And she can, she promises him that she can make that happen. He, she can bring her back from the dead or whatever and, and reunite them. 
and so that's the therein lies the bribe. He goes and fulfills this mission on for the for the female wizard on the provisio that she will bring back his beloved Valeria. So that's one link that you do get from the original film. But apart from that, it's completely standalone. <laughs> well, that's a big link, and it took a long a long time to explain. So I, th- I think that's a good enough link to have with a sequel. Mm. Did you ever watch Red Sonja? I did. Bridget Nielsen. Arnie I... is in it, yep, but not cameo. as Conan. No. As a different character. Cole? Yes, yeah, it's, it's as if he is Conan. Because Cole but the not Conqueror Conan. Was, the, was the precursor to Conan. That, uh, right, okay. That Howard wrote. Robert Howard wrote a Conan like character called Cole, um, who was later played by Kevin Sorbo, uh, if you remember, who was Hercules. Uh, in a standalone movie, which Bond did really I used to badly. love watching Hercules, yeah, yeah, the well, legendary Sorbo played Cole uh, for one movie, and it just went, didn't do very well. But um, that's getting, beside, I'm getting sidetracked. But yeah, um, I believe he was Cole, a, a representation or interpretation of Cole in Red Sonja. And my memories of it are extremely hazy because I did see it as a very, very young boy. I want to actually go back and rewatch it and just get proper context for it. So outside the movies then, comic books, you mentioned at the beginning Marvel, and they're currently not only publishing one Conan comic, I think there's two, three, 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 and then if you don't know this already, Conan is an Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> there's a new comic, Savage Avengers, you've got Wolverine, The Punisher, all the darker Marvel characters. Yeah, Venom, Venom's uh, Electra, Brother Voodoo. Which, which you know you kind of you can see them characters get. being in a Savage Avengers comic, but, so, but Conan blows my mind. Yeah, it's so jarring that he is in amongst that squad and that those worlds have merged. I mean, Marvel is, is for people who don't realize and who who are listening who don't know, Marvel reacquired the li- the rights to Conan uh, last year and now now publishing him him again. Was got, it, it was Dark Horse or Dynamite? What are those Dark, two? Dark Horse. Dark right. Horse. We're publishing it. Marvel had the rights to Conan right up until about. The I think it was the early, uh, the late eighties or the early nineties, and then it revert like Dark Horse bought the rights and published them for about a good decade, fifteen years, thirteen years, something like that. Um, now Marvel last year have reacquired the rights, and now they are publishing again. They've got three titles. They've got the flagship Conan title. They've got Savage Sword of Conan, um, also known as just simply Savage Sword, and they also have, as you mentioned, Savage Avengers. So he, well, there's an older one as well. Is it? Is it- uh, Bellit or something Bailet. like Bailet. I think that's it and that was the character that Balaleria yeah. was apparently based on but they wanted more, for the movie more of like a an Asgardian Valkyrie yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of Valkyrie character. Type character that's very much what they were going for she wasn't named Bailet in the movies she was Val- she was Valeria which is I play on the word Valkyrie if you like oh cool mm. but that is a lot of comics so we've got Conan in books movies comic books yep animated series yep and is an Avenger and in the, blows my mind. Yeah, and in the Avenger. current comics, uh, Jason Aaron's writing the main one, the flagship one, and he, what he's doing with that is he's going back and forward in time. And the storyline they're exploring at the moment um, starts out way back when he was younger, and then flashes forward to when he's a king with a beard that we alluded to earlier earlier on in the podcast. So Aaron's doing a fantastic job of weaving Conan's tale throughout time. That's good to hear, because out of everyone that I know, you are the biggest Conan fan. So I'm glad that you've still got these movies. Hopefully, Arnie does a third. I think but in will. the meantime, you've got these Marvel comics. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll, they'll, be, they'll serve as a nice bridge to the third movie, if, if and when it eventually happens. And I think it will. I hold out hope that it will. There's a lot of films now being resurrected. I mean, look what Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are doing with Bill and Ted, which um, just quietly I'm overjoyed about. But um, yeah, there's a lot of resurrection of old, beloved characters and movies coming back. And I... I 
firmly believe, I strongly believe that within the next two or three years, you will see a third Conan movie. I think it'll happen. So the rating then, out of five, where does Conan the Barbarian sit for you? Look, um, I I say this with like a, the, a whole bunch of nostalgia behind it, and a whole bunch of love for it, and the, the fact that it ties me to my dad. Um, I would say it's got to be a five for me. The original Conan, five. Destroyer, a lot further down. Let's I'd give Destroyer about three and a half. But Conan, straight up, five. Like you say, it's got everything you want. Sword and sorcery, violence, sex, um, just uh, atmosphere, um, haunting musical composition, which does continue on into the aforementioned Destroyer. And it's just, as a boy, a young boy, you look at it and you go, what the F is this about? This is awesome. This is new to me. Uh, i I got to experience this. And you just, you're mesmerized. You're hooked by the, from the word go. I've never been a fan of sword and sorcery, dragons, magic, all of that. And I think that's a big reason why I stayed away mm. from this movie. And not just Conan, like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Yeah. I made an exception for Doctor Strange, but ordinarily I do stay away from mm. this. And I knew that going in that this movie isn't my kind of movie. But went in open-minded. And there is the, a lot of things, actually, that I did like about this. And, you know, Arnie as Conan. I mean, this is the movie that gave us Arnie. Yeah, like, I know it birthed him to the world. 84, he did Terminator. But this was, like, the first proper appearance as Arnie. I mean, you can go further back and he did Hercules in New York, but no one's... We're not talking about that movie. So Conan was the first proper introduction to Arnie, and then he just absolutely blew up through the 80s, 90s, and yep. he's still obviously going strong today. And... He even uses some of the lines in that movie today in motivational speeches. Like he goes to, he does the motivational sort of He does, and he's circuit. still got the sword. Yep. He has it. He does that. What's that? I'll probably won't do it. I'll butcher it and won't do it justice. What's that line where he's like, Conan, what is best in life? And he's like, something along the lines of, um, you know, um, something like, crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and watch the lamentation of their women. Or something I mean, like that. that was lifted from Genghis Khan, and then they repurposed it for Conan. So that was actually said. Yeah. But with this movie, like, if I'm going to be honest, like there's moments where I did drift in and out, like I was a bit bored. Yeah. But I can see I that. I can appreciate what I'm watching, and I'm I'm going to come in just middle of the road, three out of five. Fair enough. Like it's it is not that. a bad film, but it's not necessarily a film that I'd go into and yeah. would. And again, would you, enjoy. Don't, you don't have the emotional attachment that, to it that I did. But James Earl Jones is great here, and Arnie is Conan. Like he really is Conan. Like we're getting a good, quiet yep. performance. It's... But what I did notice is that when Arnie's doing his stunts and when he's yelling, all those jokes about Arnie's accent and his sound effects—they yeah. come from this movie. Like I didn't yeah, realize that do. when he's doing all the yelling and when people do their go-to Arnie impression, yeah. I didn't know until this movie it's Conan they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So three out of five, five out of five. We're both recommending it. I think anything three and above is a recommend. I should mention this. One other actor we overlooked. He played the king, Richard E. Grant. What? I think Richard E. Grant was the was the king. Richard E. Grant. Yeah, I think it was him. He... No, Max von Sydow. Oh, von Sydow, right? He he was the king. Well, I knew there was another. There was another. There was another. Another big name. There was a third big, bigger. Well, not bigger, but big, reasonably big name in that movie. Max von Sydow, there you go. He was the king. I mean, he was the other big actor alongside James Earl Jones. Mm, yeah, that's right. That's what I was thinking of. I was gr- grasping at straws there. But um, when you mentioned that you were in and out of the movie, 
that's probably one of the scenes that I can imagine, I could see how you lolled in that scene where they where they they sent before him after you know getting drunk in that bar and then they they sent before the king and he challenges them with that mission. Go and I mean you know, I can't remember specifically, but yeah, I, I did waver throughout the movie. Yeah, I can see why you would you would kind of waver in scenes like that. They are a little uninteresting compared to the rest of the film. So that's it for our episode all about Conan the Barbarian. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Not a problem. Thank you. I always enjoy it and I'm looking forward to coming back again. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.